we don't want it to start yet. Hi, everybody. I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, the founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile and your host for Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Today is pretty fun because I'm coming to you live from Dallas, and we have a guest host with us, Dr. Tim McGinnis. Tim's going to be helping me out here in case I lose my power. So many of us have something, something that we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow. And while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change our perceptions about our circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary struggles and situations and have found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Today's show is going to be a little bit different about that because my guest, she's had extraordinary circumstances, but she's an amazing woman. And her name is Michelle Vismaya Rubin. We're going to call her Vismaya today. And Vismaya is a friend of mine from the Women's Prosperity Network, a great organization of women around the world that most of us right now are from down, well, not most of us, many of us are down in South Florida. And I welcome her here. Um, I'll bring you on in a second, Vismaya, but I'm going to introduce our guest host. If you haven't heard from Dr. Tim McGinnis before, Tim and I work together with SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. Tim is the director. We're on the board of directors. He's the founder of SCARS, has been integral in working with victims of relationship fraud for many, many years. And uh, Tim, are you there? I am here. Thank you so much for being here, Tim, today. We, uh, we brought you on as the guest host because I'm traveling in Dallas and didn't know if I'd be able to connect. And I'm really glad I am connecting because I, I want to hear what Bismaya has to say, and I'm, I'm just grateful that you're here. So I'm going to pass it on to you, Tim. I don't know if you let – me, let me introduce Bismaya first, and then I'm going to pass it on to you guys. Okay? Okay. Bismaya – as I said, is a friend of mine from Women's Prosperity Network. She's living down in South Florida. Vismaya is a best-selling author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and founder of Living in Gratitude Today. After 20 years of teaching at a Miami-Dade high school, she took a leave of absence to focus on the gratitude movement that she founded. She learned that when we practice gratitude, we open the door for more happiness, joy, productivity, and stronger connections with the people around us. Now, don't we need that in today's world? Now, Vismaya is on a mission to share the benefits of a gratitude practice, how to start one, and most importantly, how to maintain it during difficult times, which is so appropriate for today. In addition to the gratitude movement that we're going to talk about today, Vismaya has worked with a lot of teenagers as a high school teacher. She's also the stepdaughter of a gentleman, an elderly gentleman, who has been scammed multiple times. We've worked together as volunteers in this aspect, and she's passionate about being there for the elderly and educating the elderly uh, and now teens on the scams that are out there. So since Tim is our resident expert on scamming, Tim, I'm going to pass this over to you. I'm going to introduce Vismaya to you. I think you guys have met. So Vismaya, Tim, 
the floor is yours, and thank you so much for being here, both of you. I really appreciate you. Thank, thank you, you for Debbie. having me. Super excited. Hi, Tim. Yes, we have met before. Yes, I recall. So before we begin, I'd like to share a piece of news. It's a small victory, but it's an important one that many of our guests um, can actually benefit from. Uh, SCARS broke a piece of news uh, late last night that a major class action lawsuit against Google had been settled. And this relates to Google+. If you were a user of Google+, over the last few years, you may be entitled to a cash settlement as part of this class action settlement agreement that Google has just entered into. For more information on that, please visit romancescamsnow.com. So, Bismaya, um, welcome. And, you know, the topic of teen scams is, is very topical. And I think I'd like to begin there because one of the things that most people do not realize is the fact that the largest, gro the largest growing demographic of scam victims is not the elderly. That when we look at socially engineered relationship scam demographics or victimology, what we see is, a, is an upside-down bell curve where the bottom of the trough is people in their 30s, 40s, early 50s, but at the two extremes on the right and the left, on the left we actually find teens and young adults as one of the fastest growing demographics uh, for being scammed. And of course, at the other extreme, we find people in their late 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, um, who are highly vulnerable. The, the young adults tend to lose disproportionately large amounts of money, that is to say, as a percentage of their net worth, it's, it's generally a larger amount. But the elderly tend to make themselves much, much more vulnerable because when they do lose money, it's not replaceable money. It's, it's a significant portion of their net retirement and frequently results in the complete loss of, of their retirement, of their home, uh, and it puts them in a much, much more vulnerable place because they have greater difficulty sometimes accepting this, but Nevertheless, um, it, it can result in the complete loss of their financial stability, and at their age, no ability to recover that. Um, I know that one very well. Ex exactly, your stepdad. Um, yeah. But in the case of teens and young adults, they're also being victimized at extraordinarily high levels. And while we see about 30% of scam victims, according to the BBC, are re-victimized over and over. Um, young adult, teens and young adults are scammed many, many times more because their inherent belief in their invulnerability and their knowledge of the Internet, their parents don't know anything, that they know everything about the use of Instagram and TikTok and, um, and, and all platforms that are available on the web make them immune. The reality is they're not immune. 
and they're following for a, a variety of scam types. Um, maybe before we begin, though, you could share your experience with your stepfather and how that began. Uh, of course, I do recall you know, having lunch with you and your stepfather and trying to explain this to him. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about that story. Sure. So with my stepdad, there were a lot of things going on that I did not know. Um, and I'm still finding out because I'm going through some of his boxes and shredding papers and, and finding all of the correspondences that he had with people and all of the money orders and all of the, the checks that he sent. But I don't know how it started with him, but basically people were offering him um, cars and they told him he won lotteries and anything that he could possibly imagine, they, they told him he won and all he had to do was send in a small uh, entry fee or a small fee to take care of the, the paperwork. And that would happen time and time again. And the bottom line is he ultimately lost everything that he owned. He lost his house. He lost everything. And um, when I stepped in, there were times that I thought that we had an understanding, that it was over, that it was done. I stepped in. I took control of his money. I pay his bills. It was still going on. At this point right now, I can say that after probably back and forth that I know of for the past 11 years, on and off, and for the past six months, seven months, I can tell you that I'm 99% sure that nothing has been going on, but I can't, I can't guarantee that. So it continued you know, even after, even after you know, we sat down with him and had our intervention. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it did. Um, it did. You know, one of, you know one of the, if I can interrupt, one of the things that is important about this particular situation is we deal with friends and family members constantly who find these exact same situations and are at a complete loss to know how to intervene, how to step in and take control, um, and how to convince their friend or family member that they're being scammed. Can you talk about that process that you went through? That's really important. So my stepdad and I have a really great relationship. I mean, usually most people think he's my father, so we have that kind of relationship where I basically said, this is the way it's going to go down. I'm going to take control of your stuff, and I'm going to make sure that you have a roof over your head, and I'm going to make sure that you, your bills are paid. And he acquiesced. He didn't really give me a hard time. Um, so we went to the bank. He signed the papers. You know, he allowed me into the bank account. So what happens is when he gets a Social Security check every month, I wake up before the bank opens, and I transfer the money from one account to the other account. When he gets his Social Security, um, his mid, mid-month check, I do the same thing. I wake up before the, the bank opens, and I leave him, you know, some money in there, and um, I make sure his bills are paid. It was, for us, it was very simple. He allowed me to do it. Um, but there were, there's still a disconnect, and I have never been able to focus in or I've never been able to figure out the why. Like, why is that happening? Why is he continuously doing it? Why is he still falling for those scams? Um, 
at one point I said, that's it, we're going to Narcotics Anonymous or Gamblers Anonymous because you must have a gambling problem. And it was interesting because one of the, the people running the meeting looks at him and says, sir, with all due respect, you don't have a gambling problem. You probably need to go get some mental health check because when you gamble, you at least know that there's a possibility that you'll win something. You keep dumping money down the drain when there's absolutely no chance whatsoever that you will get something. And um, there, there is there is a certain similarity between the two, and it was perhaps a little of a disservice that that they said that they are essentially right that. There, there's a couple of things going on here that are a little bit different, but it is foundation. This is an addiction problem. And recognizing it as an addiction can be helpful in addressing the problem. Because like all addicts, unless they themselves are willing to both ask for help and accept that help, um, nothing's going to change. I agree. And and at this point, quite honestly, nothing I don't think I don't think anything will change it. There are some things that have been put in place so that he doesn't have access to the money, but I do believe that if he had access to the money it would he'd still fall for everything. Did you um did you ever go through a formalized process to become his guardian um through the family court system? No, I didn't. And I didn't do it on purpose. No, I, I, I understand. To, yeah, yeah. We didn't, we didn't have to do that, first of all, because he, he gave me access to his bank account, and we went into the bank, and then he put, they sent me away so that they could talk to him to make sure that I wasn't coercing, coercing him and stealing his money and all of that right. stuff. So we've. Um, did you do a power? Did you do a a power of attorney? At the bank, yes. Um, I, I don't remember if I have power of attorney for everything. I need to double-check that. I know I have, like, his health care surrogate and, and that kind of stuff. I do believe yep. I have power of attorney, but I need to double-check. Um, what, what you should probably do is consider going on to something like LegalZoom and doing a durable general power of attorney just so that you can handle all of his affairs. And equally importantly, remove his access from his bank account. That's not as easy done. That's, I can't really do that. Okay. So can, can you tell me a little bit about the early days um, when he was virtually sending himself out of his home? What was it like to be dealing with him at that at that stage in his mentality and his perception of what was going on? In the beginning, I didn't realize what was going on. I was I had moved back in with him um, in 2006. I was getting a master's degree, and I wasn't focused on what he was doing. But at one point, I remember he he said, you know, bills were starting to show up, you know, come late or. Um, like one time I got pulled over and I, I said to the cop, I said, what was I doing? And he's like, um, we just did a random check on your license and we noticed that you didn't have insurance. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you haven't paid insurance in two months. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
So that kind of stuff would happen. And finally, I was like, that is that. You're not dealing with the car insurance. That's my, my thing. Or little things would start to happen. Uh, and then he, he would, or his, his bank account would bounce. And, you know, he says, I have to go to, I have to go meet somebody because they're going to bring me a car. Or I have to meet somebody because they're going to go bring me this. And I said, okay, let's go together. So we'd go in this random place that he was told to meet somebody and nobody would show up. And then I would get really angry. I was, I was pissed. I was like, I don't understand. You know, why are you falling for this? This is ridiculous. And he was of sound mind. You know, he's, he's brilliant in many areas of his life. He's, he's a master mechanic. He's like MacGyver. He's like a real life MacGyver with everything. So I'm looking at this man. who's like the most brilliant person I know. And just, who keeps falling for all of these, all of these things. And, and, you know, my passion, my topic is gratitude. And I, and I always go back to that. I'm like, is there something like a disconnect as far as, is he not feeling good enough about himself? Is he feeling, is there a missing somewhere in relationships? Like what is causing him to constantly fall for the same things? In, and, and again, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. Uh, we do have a, a psychologist on our board, but um, I look at it from an anthropological point of view. But in, in essence, one of the things that we've learned over the years is that these are can be related to self-esteem issues, but in general it has more to do with the simple fundamentals of the methodologies of, of manipulation that first and foremost, once he gave money to a scammer, then he was going to be sold as a, as a sucker. Um, different kinds of scams are run from different kinds of organizations. Typically, lotto scams, for example, are run out of the Caribbean. Um, and there are romance scams that come out of Latin America, that come out of Africa, that come out of Asia, etc. So some of these cartels or, or transnational criminal organizations share lists. But essentially, once he started down that path, he was going to get contacted by a multitude of people. Oh, really, sure. it, it, it also comes down to developing behaviors that save you because intellectualizing force of will don't save you. Your own brain works against you to such an extent that almost nobody is invulnerable to scams. I myself have been, in the technical sense, scammed, though I didn't lose money. Um, I did fall for, for a deception, but in the end, it, it worked out okay. But in, in this particular case, the, the inherent problem is, I would suggest, a psychological problem in its nature, and it may not be rooted in self-esteem. It's more often rooted in traumas. Um, it comes down to certain people believing um, so fundamentally in certain fantasies, for lack of a better word, that they make themselves vulnerable and open. The, the only Thing that a victim ultimately has control of is 
their behavior of opening the door. Once the door is open, they've lost control. The scammer will take control and they'll begin manipulation virtually instantly, relying on a victim's uh, trust of strangers. That's the first thing that, that has to has to be changed. And the only way to change it is to develop a behavior so that you stop reacting emotionally and you allow yourself the time to look at things objectively, analytically, as opposed to emotionally. If you can not open that door to a stranger, if you can look at something and walk away from it, come back to it later when you can think more analytically, more logically, more critically, then you've solved a big part of that problem. Um, I agree with, I I agree with you. And, you know, especially when we're dealing with older people and teens, when you're dealing with teens, it's about, you know, and, and from being in a classroom for 20 years and seeing the watching kids go from really not having internet or or social media to now it's like they're bombarded with social media having the the intellect to know this is a scam and having that rational mind to know i think also comes there's also other things that come into play and i think part of it comes into again going back to self-esteem and feeling good about yourself and being able to say you know, what is good behavior, what is safe behavior, and and being cognizant of it or having at least somebody who says to you, wait a minute, let's kind of check this out for a second. You know, if somebody's your friend or wants to get to, they're not going to ask you these kind of questions. Um, You know, it was very interesting because somebody posted something recently and it was about the a lot of these questionnaires that people ask you for fun. And yes. I didn't realize it at first. Like, so, you know, what's your favorite color? When's your favorite birthday? What was the first street you were born on? And a whole litany of questions that you're answering just because, oh, this is kind of fun. Look at my memory. But really, all of that information is, is information that you, you log in when you're doing security questions or when you're, they're asking, you know, what was your mom's maiden name? Well, now you put it on the Internet. What was your, you know, the date you were born? Now it's on the Internet. What was your first street you lived on? Now it's on the Internet. So people are... are inadvertently giving information and and sometimes we just need that hey stop that little reminder well you know one of the and of course all of that is social engineering at its at its finest and one of the 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 critical issues is not only is it giving away strategically and and very sensitive information about your life but it comes back down to this fundamental problem, especially that teens have, of being able to participate. With the advent of smartphones and with the advent of the Internet as we know it today, one of the things that has transformed the, the experience of being a teen is it's not just your real friends who are exerting peer pressure, but the entirety of the Internet is exerting peer pressure for you to be, be a part of something, the fear of missing out, and to be, mm-hmm. you know, to be part of what's going on, whether it's a viral video that you've got to watch or whether it's this, this cool survey to find out what your favorite rock is or whatever it may happen to be, 
these methods of social engineering are almost irresistible unless that teen can develop a behavior which, as you said, uh, we refer to it, um, you know, as, as a part of, as a partner of the Department of Homeland Security, it's part of this process known as stop, think, connect. But what it really comes down to is, is your grandmother's old phrase, to sleep on it. Give yourself time to get over the emotional impulse so that you can look at it logically. Why am I doing this? What benefit comes to me? Most of this nonsense doesn't matter, but yet people participate without really even being aware that they're doing it. Right. And, and as we both know, teens are not intellectually developed. They're impulse-driven. They're hormone-driven. And this is the greatest vulnerability to scammers that exist because they rely on, you know, once they get through the door, relying on stranger trust, then they begin their, their manipulation. And a significant portion of that is to drive hormonal responses, things like uh, amygdala hijacks. And then they rely on methods of isolation and judgment inhibition through gaslighting to continue and maintain this. And I, one of I the, absolutely agree. Right. One of the spikes that we see that is profoundly traumatizing are the number of sextortion scams that are taking place with teens, uh, where, they're, where they're enticed to enter into a relationship scam. And, you know, a 15-year-old girl gets a photo of some gorgeous guy or a celebrity who takes an interest in, in her, and the next thing she knows, she's head over heels in love and sending nude photos. And within a day or two, someone else steps in and begins blackmail for either worse photos or videos or for money because every teen has access to money in one way or another, even if they have to steal their parents' credit cards, which they do. Um, what thoughts do you have on ways to approach teen audiences to get them to understand these problems and get them to listen? So we did a lot of that stuff in my classroom. Um, we, we, had, we had different talks and we did different units on that because I agree with you that is a, that is a huge problem. Um, so when it, you know, it, it again goes back to, for me, it goes back to finding ways for them to, and, and this was one of the big reasons I did the whole gratitude stuff is because it was for them to find ways that they felt connected, they felt good about themselves right now, they were able to um, relate or feel like they were important to their community, and that was why we, I had them constantly keeping gratitude charts. So what is it in my life right now that's going well? What is it in my life that I can start to pay attention and nurture and, and cultivate that's going well in my life right now? And what I've noticed is that when they start to feel better about their life right now exactly the way it is, they don't necessarily need to look outside for those kind of relationships. I'm not saying it stopped at 100%, but I can tell you that 
that through this process of talking about, you know, what are they grateful for, I've had kids say to me, I used to think I, I, wasn't, I didn't matter. I used to think my word didn't matter until I came into this class and we started doing some of the activities that we did. So when kids start to feel like they matter, when they think that they're important, when they're heard, when they belong to community, because like you said, fear of missing out, really big problem. You know, even as adults, why are we constantly on social media, fear of missing out? Um, when they have that sense of belonging, that sense of, of, of saying, wow, you know, my life is, is okay. It may not be perfect, but it is okay. I think we start to curtail that. Now, I'm also not naive to say that that's 100% the, the answer to everything because I have seen things happen, but I think, it, again, it goes back to a lot of education. Like, if somebody cares about you or you know, however you want to say it, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a goody two-shoes where I don't think that things happen, but there are certain, we have to teach our kids that there are certain hard no's. There are certain things that are absolute. And if somebody's asking you for that kind of thing, you have permission to walk away. You have permission, not even just permission, you owe it to yourself to walk away. But we have to find a way to get kids to see that they have their, they have their voice. They have the power yeah. to say and, – and for me, it was also, that, that was a big part of the gratitude. It wasn't, you know, it, it was getting them to see that they matter, that they're important, that they have value in their life, and that they don't need to do certain things to feel better about themselves because they're already pretty great. In, you know, indeed. We, have, we, we find it as a as – a, online crime victims assistance organization extraordinarily challenging to craft messaging to reach that audience. We know that they're being scammed and, and abused and manipulated in vast numbers, but understanding that audience is, is a real challenge. Um, most of our activities are oriented towards adult, mid-age, and, and, and older victims, but what you mention about gratitude is, is also equally important to, uh, to adult, middle-aged, and, and elderly victims as well, because one of the things that victims go through is after they make it past the, the shock and denial, many of them get trapped in the anger and frustration over how did this happen to me? Why did this happen? Mm -hmm. I, I, I blame myself. I was stupid. I was all of these things. And gratitude can be a bridge out of those feelings where you can begin to set aside the resentment and look towards what you still have, recognizing that it, that it has been a disaster potentially. But one of the steps of coming out of, the, of that is to realize that there, there still is a future, regardless of the financial loss and regardless of the sense of shame. All of the mechanisms that you described can be profoundly beneficial to, to relationship scam victims. Definitely, it could have, it, you know, it could have been worse. Thank God we found it. Thank God we stopped it. Um, in I agree. in yeah. the case of your stepdad, it, it, you know, it, 
it couldn't have gotten much worse, but he could literally have been homeless. Uh, had I not stepped in, he would have been homeless. At one point, you know, and and thank God he will not be listening to this call because he might have had a heart attack that I was sharing so much, but I feel it's so important for people to hear. You know, at one point um, after he lost his home, he was living in a rental home, and I got a call from the landlord and said he hasn't paid his rent in six months, and then I show up one day and the lights were out and the water was out, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it boils down to he had given everything away, he had no more money, and and that was what was happening. So when I stepped in, I stepped in at a point where it was either I needed to step in or he was going to be homeless. So we figured out a way to pay the back six months. We figured out a way to get the lights back on, to get the the you know water bill paid. And for the past eight years, maybe, I've been taking care of the bills. And Did he was, ever report any of these to the police? We reported a couple, but there was nothing that the, that the police could really do. I have stacks upon <coughs> stacks upon stacks of papers that I'm finding because I'm going through some of this stuff now. So if you know anybody who can use this for research purposes, I mean stacks upon stacks upon stacks of correspondences, the money grams, the, the, the bank cards that he went out and bought, the, all sorts of things that he used as, as collateral for his quote-unquote gifts that were coming in the mail. You know, I guess part of it what, what blows me away, and, and I don't know how to get people to see this, and maybe you can, is, the people who call, some of them are quite nice, but then when you don't do what they want, they get so nasty. And that's, that, for me, that's a, a telltale sign that it's not somebody who's doing legitimate business, who's, you know, an honorable human being, because they are just, they're nasty. And it goes back but to the manipulation. But you see, that's, that's actually a manipulation technique, mm-hmm. because if they can't get it through through the the you know, the lollipop, the lollipop or, or the sweet or the, the, the candy, whatever, then they use other techniques and um, threats, aggression, anger, rage against a victim many times can flip them over because the victim is either fearful or they are a person who um, can be convinced that they're actually wrong. This is a part of gaslighting. And it's a technique that every abused spouse understands, that there's the good and then there's the bad. And the rage is as much of a, of a control mechanism as, uh, you know, as, as the, the doling out the rewards is. Right. And teens are just as susceptible to that. The reason I was asking about the, the reporting is this is one of the great challenges in that um, it's only been the last couple of years that victims have started to report more. We've gone from about 3% reporting to what we sort of estimate right now at about 6 to 7%. But the vast majority of scams are still not being reported. And it doesn't matter whether the police can do anything about it. It's having this information roll up in the crime stats for a local community, for a state, for the federal government, it's only by government awareness of the magnitude of these crimes that changes and protections take place. 
ultimately, this is all driven by deficiencies in both national and state laws. And while we're involved in advocating for victims' rights and for victims' safety and addressing these issues, if there is not a sufficient perception of awareness, then nothing is going to change. Everyone needs to report every single scam. And understand that the police can't do anything about a transnational criminal in another country. But if you ask them to take the report, they will. And they'll give you a report number. And the most important aspect of that is then it opens up local and state benefits that a victim can leverage to help themselves out. You can get, as a crime victim, uh, local rental assistance and utility assistance and other financial benefits that are available here in the United States and in many other countries. You also have access to free counseling, trauma counseling, as a victim. But these only become available once the police report has been filed and you have a, a report number. You can get eviction protection Um, or you can get subsidized housing. All of these kinds of things can become available once the police report has become available, or once the police report has been filed. And then you can speak with a local victim's advocate who's aware of what benefits are available in that community. So that's one of the reasons why that is so important. Good to know. There's, uh, yeah, and, and and part of, I think, why he he didn't report, first of all, I didn't know everything that was going on, or maybe I did know and, and didn't want to know at this point, or I didn't, I didn't never thought it was as bad as it was. I thought once in a while, yeah. and then I thought it stopped, and I did not know the magnitude of it until years after he had lost his home to foreclosure. Like, I thought it was something else that he told me that he had lost it because of, and then finally one day it clicked. Like, wait a minute, you know, and um, and, and ironically, this this tendency to hide the truth from others is something that profoundly affects victims of every age, whether they're teens, whether they're whether they're adults, whether they're elderly. It is partly embarrassment, uh, partly mm-hmm. a sense of shame. But it also is partly related to the manipulation that they're under, that they are coached to not tell friends or family members the truth. They won't understand. They'll try and break us up. Uh, This is going to work out. Have faith that strangers just won't understand what relationship we have or how this business works or whatever, so don't tell anybody. Or threats of violence. Teens are particularly susceptible to threats of violence against their family. Scammers right. claim that they know where they live, they know where they go to school, that the, the teen or the young adult will be vulnerable. We're going to come and kill your whole family if you tell anybody. It's important to let people know that scammers lie. That's all they do, and everything that they say is a lie. Fundamentally, it's hard to accept that simple truth. But in reality is if you can accept that you were lied to and that everything is a lie, 
then nothing the scammer says is threatening or scary, as long as they're not Russian mafia scammers. But um, but if they're Asian, if they're if they're uh, you know if they're African, if they're Latin American, they're not coming after you. Their only business is to collect money, and they don't have time to waste it on anything but scamming victims. And if okay, you guys. Stop Go ahead, Tim. I'm gonna. I was gonna interrupt for a minute, um, just because we're we're. we're it's, this is an incredible, incredible discussion that I'm sitting here just listening, and it's great for me. And part of me is listening to what you just said about you know not telling family. That is so true because as a victim myself, we wanted to, you know, keep that between us. That our business was between us, and I was in control of me and every time my kids said mom don't 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 I'm like hey I'm the adult here leave me alone and so it was not something I that I was going to tell but the other thing is that you know victims at that point aren't believing it's a scam so they're not gonna believe that the that the guy is lying because they trust him it's not until exactly. after the fact it's not until after the fact and you know in my case I saw him I I, I got closure because I saw him I would say most victims don't get that kind of closure, so it makes it very difficult for them to really understand that it was a lie. Because inside them, they're thinking he's really he's really there. It's really true. You know, that's why it irritates me when I watch the doctor Dr. Phil shows where the families are feeling good that the that the victim is being outed, but the victim sitting there still believing that no matter what Dr. Phil is showing them. My guy is real. My guy is real. It's not this person they're showing all these statistics about. Um, and it's tough that's, because that is – go ahead, Ms. Maya. That, that's my dad right there. Like, I – that's exactly what happens. I was – I would – there were times that I was, like – I was nasty at times because I'm talking to one of the scammers on the phone, and they're saying things to me that were so disgusting. And, I'm, and I get off the phone, and I'm like, do you see the way they talk to people? This, yeah. this is not a legitimate businessman. They would not speak to me this way. Like, they're using words that I will not even use. Right. Yeah. Ever. And, 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 again, he's like, it goes in one ear and out the other. He didn't, it's almost like he didn't register. Well, this, it is, doesn't. this, is, the point where, this is the point where you need to bring in mental health care, where, where trauma counseling or a trauma therapist is actually – the only answer to get them through this because we as lay people, even professional victims assistance providers, we can't provide the level of therapy that a victim in this situation really requires. Uh, Vismaya, before we go into uh, questions, I'd like you to talk more about the gratitude project that you, that you have and how individuals might participate because I believe this is this is a really important um, program that all victims can benefit from participation in. So my belief about gratitude is that it's not about an attitude of gratitude because when we talk about an attitude of gratitude, it's almost like something I was born with. I like to share with people about a gratitude practice, like regardless of what's going on, if I was a victim of, of Internet scams, if I was a victim of anything, how do I find gratitude right now in the moment? So I have an online movement that people can join. They can go to livingingratitudetoday.com 
or they can text the word GRATEFUL, G-R-A-T-E, to the number 64600. And again, for me, the bottom line is, like, how do we find gratitude in life right now, regardless of what's going on? Because when we start to practice gratitude, our whole world shifts. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to be more grateful, but we want to feel happier, and we want to feel like we're connected to people, and we want to feel more productive, and we want to feel more blissful, and we get that through those daily practices. It's simple, simple, consistent practices that get us to that space. So, is there is there a cost for your program? Seven dollars a month. It's less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. (laughs) One cup of coffee. And really, right. And the idea is, you know, it's for me. It's not. I'm not going to wake up every moment of every day saying, "Oh, I'm so grateful to be alive." But I can find those moments in every day, regardless of my outside circumstances. And I think that's where the power lies. Let me just interject, of course, all SCARS services, the services of our organization are free for all scam victims. We as a a government-registered crime victims assistance and crime prevention organization provide our services uh, at no cost to our victims. We are a nonprofit um, and we do offer everything that we do for victims for free. However, there are services that we strongly encourage victims to consider, and this is one of those. And even though there is a small cost, uh, as you said, it, it seems well worth it. Um, there are going to be things out there that victims can take advantage of that we don't provide that are highly beneficial to uh, to their outcome. Even if, you know, just journaling, going out and buying a journal and keeping a journal on a daily on a daily basis can be tremendously cathartic and, and therapeutic. Um, and you know, we highly encourage uh, everyone to consider your your living in gratitude program. The cost, as you say, is very is very nominal. Uh, so it is something that that we would suggest that everyone check out. Um, do you have any more information on that if, that you would care to share? Basically, they can reach me at those two places, six four, uh, text and grateful to 64600. And I think, you know, the last thing I'll say is, is it's not about a gratitude perfect, it's about a gratitude practice. And, and really creating those moments where we can find joy regardless of what's going on. So, you know, being scammed, I understand, can feel horrible and and upsetting and embarrassing. But then, you know, the flip side is, is how do we find that moment? Okay, well, I'm super grateful right now that it stopped. But it's it's learning the tips and the, and the techniques and the latest research sometimes of how to stop the brain from going down that that downward spiral so that we're able to see those things. Because I don't think it, it's, you know, you snap your fingers and boom, all of a sudden I feel good. How do we put those practices into place and make them sustainable and consistent so that we are able to feel feel those moments of gratitude throughout the day, throughout the week? Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Debbie, would you like to add anything at this point, or should we open it up for questions? We're going to open it up, but I just really briefly, I, I think what's hitting me now is that by being so um, socially isolated and the social distancing, we've got to be really careful about paying attention to our family and friends who are not living with us 
who might be living alone because you know they could be involved in in a scam and obviously we would never know and if we're not getting over to see them uh, or you know having any daily contact with them it's just going to progress and like you said Bismaya it'll be years before anything you know we find out that they're broken broken so now is the time to really connect with people I, I was watching the other day just on WPN uh, they were saying connect with five five girls that you know five women mm -hmm. that you know um, and and you know call them or text them just make that connection especially with our family members because it's too easy to get caught up in our own isolation and forget everybody else so thank you so much for for this really great information um, we've got a bunch of callers today I'm going to open this up and Tim I can do it from here we'll put it in the Q&A okay. so we have we're supposed to have unmuted. What I want you to do, if you have a question or, or comment for Vismaya, Dr. Tim, please hit star six, and I believe star six and one. And we have a, our first one, our, our Charla from Dallas. I'm going to open it up to you, Charla. Are you there? Well, good morning. It's really, you know, you, I've said it with you on other shows, con men have only themselves to sell and they're masters at it. And... I have noticed, in fact, this own last week, they're getting much more sophisticated. You know, uh, used to on Facebook, you'd get a message, hi, how are you, from these gorgeous men, you know, with no other friends, um, and very obvious. Well, now they're commenting on my posts and saying, hey, you know, I'm Joe's friend, send me a friend request. And... I'm, I'm, my antenna's really high, but at first it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's Joe's friend. I'm gonna, so I sit, reached out to Joe and going, uh-uh. He said, I just friended him just now because he's on your site. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of more sophistication, I would guess, that they're very, 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 very good. They're masters at it, and they're, uh, and, and it, it, the shame part of it, I think, is a huge piece. And this my, you know, gratitude to me is the absolute key to a satisfied life at all. And and so your your program is huge. And um, I think it's it's been a, a just getting to know both of you guys on on WPN. It's been a huge blessing to me this year so I didn't really have necessarily a question but uh, just to comment about we being aware and being aware of our family and friends huge right thank you thanks Charla yeah absolutely thank you so much Charla okay um, again star six and uh, come on to ask a question or to, to leave a comment but I just want to say thank you so much to, to Tim for taking this over there's so much information out there that he's been working with with SCARS the Society for Citizens Against Relationship Scams for a long long time and we have a lot of good information out there way too much for any of us to absorb all all at once um, and so it's like you can't eat an elephant you know in one bite take it chunk by chunk but what I like to say to people is be aware and beware and like Charlie just said, these friend requests that are coming from friends of friends, really be careful. And Tim, maybe you can address us a little bit about locking down yes. your security settings. Can you can you address that well, for a minute? 
first off, there, there's two issues associated with that. One is, first and foremost, to go through every social media that you have and lock down your privacy. And if you cannot adequately protect it, leave it. So for example, Google Hangouts. No one has any reason to have a Google Hangout account, period. End of story. If you're on Facebook, change everything that matters so that only friends, not friends of friends, can see it. And if you can't change it from friends and friends, just make it so that you alone can see it. But the other question is really, in today's world, you cannot trust your friends to keep you safe. As you know, particularly teens, peer pressure and the stupidity of a friend can be profoundly dangerous. Yeah, let's go to the bar. We'll just hang out and meet some people. We're not going to drink. Yeah, right. You have to be aware of the situations that you're allowing yourself to go in. Your friends could be more contaminated than you imagine. They could be full of scammers, and they completely obliviously are unaware that they're contaminating you. Just like in the pandemic that we're all experiencing, there is a pandemic online of scammers. And unfortunately, people have this tendency to live in oblivion or in their sense of immunity that it's never going to happen to me until it does. The reality is 9 out of 10 people in the United States have been scammed. And the definition of being scammed doesn't mean that you spent, you sent money. It means that you have believed a deception, and in some way or another, you've acted on it. So part of what we all have to do is we all have to have a, a father talk with every one of our friends about their friends and the potential for victimization, scamming. And even if they're not a victim or prone to being a victim, they're allowing, they're allowing other people who are in their contact list to be, victim, to be victimized. By giving well, access to a scammer, you're victimizing all of your friends and family. One last thing I want to say about friends is that Ben Bismay and I were talking about it earlier, is that my young adult children, child, uh, has a lot of friends. And when I ask, does this friend have a name, many times I do not get that name. And I'm like, if that friend doesn't have a name that you can tell your brother, then it's not a friend. You know, it's a person out there that is possibly using you for something or you're using them for something, but it's not your friend. So our definition of friend has changed over the years. And I don't need to have 5,000 friends on Facebook because Facebook's not allowing me to talk to all 5,000 anyway. So just be really, really careful and cautious about who you claim your friends to be. Uh, you know, well, on, on, that note, on that note, yeah. we tell people, if you have more than 200 friends, you are inherently vulnerable because the reality is they're not your friends. And you have to understand that it's just like this pandemic. Imagine if you were in a room with 200 people and they're all out going out and living their lives and having connections. Imagine how many people they're connected with. The way to look at friends online is imagine you're having sex with all of them. What kind of vulnerability would that have for you as a person? So you have to limit your social circle down to a safe level 
and make sure your friends are also practicing safe social networking. And that's a tough thing to do in today's world, you know, but, but it, takes, um, it takes discipline. It takes deliberate discipline in what you're doing, and and that's the exactly. tough thing because we we all want to be accepted in that you know fear of missing out. Heck, if I'm not their friend, then I might miss out on what they're doing. So, Desmaya, let's give you the last word. Um, again, thank you both for being here. I really appreciate it. But Miss Gratitude Gangsta, first off, how did you come up with that name, my friend? It wasn't me. It was my students. I had them keeping gratitude charts from day one and. <laughs> Very long story short, we had we were doing a writing ex- exercise on comparing and contrasting these two the lives of two gang members and how they w- got out of gangs and uh, I you know we were in a circle and I said I just I don't get it and I knew I was going to provoke conversation I didn't know where it was going to go I said I don't understand why people would be in gangs and Alex looks at me and he says Miss we're gangsters and I'm like oh Lord what did I open up and he's like we're gratitude gangsters. And William looks at him and he's like, yeah, miss, we're gratitude gangsters. And then Alex is like, we walk around and go, I like your shoes. I like your hat. So that kind of stuck. I realized that if 10th graders at that point, after eight months of practicing gratitude and really keeping gratitude charts, understood the concept, um, it, it, it just spoke to me. So when I first, you know, really got out and started speaking more, I would call myself a gratitude gangster, and people were very upset with me. They were like, you cannot say that. That's not a nice word. Don't you know what that means? You're, it's just not nice. And I said, that's okay. And when I explained it, they were like, oh, okay, I get it. But um, Well, it's yeah. wonderful. It's, it, you know, because I look at you and I'm like, that's not the word I would have put on her. But knowing, you know, then I had to change my own thinking about what that meant. But you know, the kids came up with it. The kids probably really absorbed that, and they, that was a, a badge of courage for them. And it was fun, yeah. and it's positive. And uh, so, thank you so much for that. It, we, it's so go to, folks, go, go to livingingratitudetoday.com or text to the number six four six zero zero the word grateful. Is that correct? Grateful. Correct. And there's one last thing you know I want to say is that the the beauty of all of this is that we get to experience the the beauty of the internet we get to connect with people from all over the world and I think that is so positive and so wonderful and as we're exploring all of that be cautious be be aware I think you know we 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 get to to practice and learn and that's the benefit of the, of the internet we get to meet people from all over the world we get to to make friends and learn about cultures and see things that we would not have seen otherwise and, you know, be cautious, be aware. There's a lot of beauty to the Internet, but there is a lot of danger. So, you know, we're, we're not telling people to, to get off of it completely. I mean, I've, I've gotten my parents off of, off of the, uh, the news, and they are YouTube fans now. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's great to watch 85 and 90-year-olds, you know, spinning around the world on YouTube at night. I love so, it. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Thank you, uh, Desmaya. Thank you to everybody that listened to our show today. We are dedicated here at Stand Up and Speak Up to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self always. If you know anyone or if you yourself have been a victim to fraud or scam, please report it to www.anyscam.com or ic3.gov. And 
remember to join my Facebook group, Stand Up and Speak Up. Go to thewomenbehindthesmile.com. We will have replays of the show there. Uh, it is on YouTube too now, which is fun. And um, it, it, we're getting the word out. Be sure to join us each Thursday morning at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Stand Up and Speak Up. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you go to the website, BenfoComplete.com, use the discount code STANDUP and you'll get a 5% discount on all of your order. Again, thanks folks for being with us today. I'm coming to you from Dallas. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Dallas, and I want you to have a great week, and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye, visitors.